The Dauntless Gambit by Eric Flowers. Narrated by Chris Lynch. Episode 21, Total Control. Rennick's walk from the conference chamber to the lobby of Gallo's personal offices did not take long. Rennick had no business with anyone else who had attended the meeting. They were merely conspirators whose faces he would pretend not to recognize until after Gallo's plans came to fruition. Rennick's only present concern was speaking with the fleet marshal, the single person who mattered. The honor guards standing on either side of the doors into the fleet marshal's administrative floor appeared to feel the same way as they continued to ignore Rennick entirely. Rennick had not seen Gallo on his way from the conference chamber. All attendees had made a cautious, controlled rush for the foyer, visibly eager to leave the terminus, their new honor guard escorts right behind them. Gallo's message had required no further deliberation. Do what you were asked and be rewarded, or choose to suffer the consequences as Elliot had. Simple. Rennick's experience in covert operations was extensive. Skulking about the perimeter of a situation and striking accurately without warning was why he had been chosen. Working solo, carrying out the tasks needed to ensure that the plan went the way it should was easy enough. But maintaining the false pretense that he was working with OS-9 and Major Drake's staff, though, would be a distraction. Best he minimized that opportunity for error now. Besides, Drake and his people would not matter once the final phase of the plan was implemented and Archer was installed as president. Rennick needed to be in the thick of things, taking action, not attending meetings. He was too valuable to the plan for that now. Gallo would understand. Rennick checked his calm. He'd waited long enough. Quickly straightening the jacket of his uniform and striding across the lobby, he stopped just shy of the doors he knew led into Gallo's personal office suite. Neither honor guard acknowledged him. I am here to see Fleet Marshal Gallo. Please notify him. The honor guard turned his head his voice firm and self-assured. The fleet marshal is not taking unscheduled appointments. If you wish to speak with him, inquire with his staff about his availability. He shifted his eyes away from Rennick and returned to staring straight ahead. Rennick stifled a reaction. The honor guard was correct about the unscheduled appointments. Gallo did not entertain unannounced visitors. But since Gallo had invited Rennick aboard the terminus already, this unscheduled visit was not necessarily unannounced. Unlike the other collaborators, who had only part of the story, Rennick was on the inside. Some rules didn't apply to him. Rennick stepped in front of the guard and forced eye contact. I am aware of the policy. You are his staff, and I am inquiring with you right now. I do not have time to debate this. I realize these uniforms do not convey rank, but do you realize who I am? The capacity in which I serve the fleet marshal? The honor guard's eyes tightened a hint of annoyance creeping into his voice. I do, Commander Tao. Then you know that my business with the fleet marshal is not to be interfered with. I carry critical, face-to-face intelligence that the fleet marshal must be made aware of immediately. It was a plausible lie, one the honor guard would not want to risk. The honor guard looked to his companion, receiving a near imperceptible nod. He looked back to Rennick, speaking as if their conversation had just started. Commander, you have been extended an invitation to enter. The honor guard took a half step to the side, continuing to stare straight ahead. Rennick paused, confused at the lack of communication. Do you not need the fleet marshal's response? The honor guard's head turned slowly, a deliberate exhalation audible as he moved. Yes, and I have received one. 
He has granted you permission, as I just stated. Rennick felt a lump in his throat. Of course. Embedded comms. How long had Gallo been listening to the caller at his door? Rennick now had only a few seconds to come up with the critical intelligence he'd promised. Summoning a caustic smile, he gave the honor guard a curt nod and stepped toward the doors. Rennick squared his shoulders and strode forward, seeing for the first time Gallo's open floor office space, several administrative staff seated behind broad desks covered in display screens, holographic projections, and piles of data pads and computers. The sound of technology and the murmur of voices created a drone of sound that had been completely inaudible from the other side of the doors. Directly opposite Rennick was another set of doors, flanked on each side by enormous windows, the fleet marshal visible at his desk inside. Rennick quickened his pace, none of the administrative staff paying him any attention. At the largest, semicircular desk in front of Gallo's office was Captain Holliday. Rennick had seen him earlier that day on Kestris, accompanying Vice Admiral Lenault to the closed council meeting, but not in the conference chamber. Was the captain of the honor guard not a part of Gallo's plan? Holliday looked up, met eyes with Rennick, then turned back to his display screens. The doors to Gallo's office slid open, just as the windows frosted over to their opaque setting. Dow? Gallo's voice called out from within the office. Rennick cleared his throat and hurried forward. He stepped into Gallo's office and the door slid shut behind him, instantly cutting off the sound of the office floor and drowning him in an unnatural silence. Fleet Marshal Gallo was seated at his desk, reviewing something on the display screen. Rennick did a quick scan of the area, the exclusive residence. He could see a galley, living chamber, personal gym, and several closed doors he assumed were restricted corridors or private elevators. Everything visible was utilitarian. The rumor was that the fleet marshal allowed no one to be present in his residence without his supervision. He even did his own cleaning, just as he would have as a low-ranking recruit in decades past. Gallo was a true leader, demanding from himself just as much or more than he demanded of others. Gallo turned from his screen. His desk had several displays, a collection of books, a stack of data pads, and a pencil and paper set. Each of these items was carefully aligned and evenly spaced, with nothing in any sort of disarray. However, the same could not quite be said of the fleet marshal. The top fasteners of Gallo's uniform were undone, a light sheen of sweat visible on the man's neck. Rennick found himself momentarily distracted by a few strands of gray chest hair peeking up from beneath the collar. He did not usually appear this casual over vidscreen. A curt growl from the fleet marshal brought Rennick's attention back to the matter at hand. Commander, you need not fabricate any supposed critical intelligence you used to dupe my guard. I allowed you in because your arrival aligns with an incidental matter I wish to discuss. Rennick bowed his head in gratitude and approached, using the time to force his voice to function and hide the surge of panic at Gallo's unmasking his intentions. Thank you, Fleet Marshal. I apologize for this unexpected visit, but don't bother, Tao. You were advised not to start a habit of lying, to me at least. Gallo's voice came out cool and low, like a dense fog clinging to the ground. Of course not, sir. I would never deceive you, Rennick said, adding with a hint of macabre levity, though it is my job to deceive, hazard of the profession. Gallo's expression was bored and impatient. When he wasn't shrouded in shadow or intentionally harsh lighting, his features were far more balanced. He still had the same powerful visage, the same calculating eyes, but the lines and edges weren't as severe. Instead of being a demigod, he now appeared merely superhuman. Well, Tao, say what you came here to say. 
Rennick yanked his attention back to his reason for being there. Yes, thank you, Fleet Marshal, sir. I would like to propose a modification to the arrangement between my division and OS-9 regarding the Indigo investigation. I will be able to better do my job with more freedom and less outside involvement from competing agencies. Gallo huffed, disgust furrowing his brow. Commander, I realize that you are new to an administrative role, but managing the overhead of cross-departmental collaborations is essential to being a fit leader. Are you incapable of handling Major Drake and his people? Rennick stifled an involuntary scoff. Anyone else speaking to him this way would have quickly regretted it. The image of Admiral Elliot on the floor came to Rennick's mind. Gallo had made it clear he would speak to anyone in any manner he saw fit. Rennick felt his face redden. He chose his words carefully. No, sir. Of course not. I am capable of handling Major Drake and OS-9. A thread of the same malice Rennick had heard in the conference chamber colored Gallo's voice. Then what is the problem? Rennick nodded in agreement, realizing as he did how foolish it must look. He must look. He had been wrong about his exemption to the rules, and the weight of his error in judgment slowed his thinking. Either he recant and act as if he'd come here for no reason and look like an imbecile, or present a well-reasoned but flawed argument and hope to salvage some respect. He chose the latter. The Indigo Investigation its charter is to investigate potential insiders in the Navy and aboard the Terminus, who supplied aid and access to the Red Kestrels for both the hijacking of the Dauntless and the attack on Starview Station. Indigo is looking for me. Rennick stopped himself from saying us. It was unnecessary. Both men knew the chain of guilt may start with Rennick, but it was Gallo who held the final link. Gallo sighed. Indeed, Commander. What better place to put you than right within the team looking to find the supposed source? There was no preventing the investigation turning inward. Indigo is OS-9's top priority, and therefore, your top priority. You must keep the investigation going, fill their days and nights with leads to explore, data to crunch, suspects to profile who aren't you. Just be sure they fail. You did well with Starview. Your role is just... Gallo's mouth almost twitched into a grin, evolving to meet the needs. Was that all? Rennick nodded. That was the end of the discussion about Indigo. Rennick accidentally shifted in his chair. He should not have come here. Had he really expected Gallo to take a suggestion from his personal off-the-books hitman? Rennick was a weapon to be wielded, nothing more. Gallo turned back to his desk's display. Regarding your evolving rule... Have you made any progress in finding the location of the Dauntless? Castle was supposed to have made sure it was spotted by now. I do not like having this lapse in intelligence. The gift to Casto was contingent on his group being visible as perpetrators. The question caught Rennick off guard. What did Casto's failure to parade the Dauntless through the fringe as a trophy matter in the overall scheme of things? The Imperium was already convinced, whether Reed Casto gloated or not. Rennick nodded, regaining some confidence. At least he had a legitimate answer for this. I have division operatives pursuing suspects in active Red Kestrel operations, courtesy of 5E's shared mission files. In fact, I received intelligence that an asset was left alive on Sonali after a 5E raid, one of the low-level players who helped orchestrate the hijacking of the Dauntless. They have been apprehended and are now en route to Kestrus as we speak. Gallo's eyes narrowed. He had known Casto for a long time even before the birth of the Red Kestrels. 
Was this Castro's way of showing Gallo he did not have the complete and total control over the situation, with Rennick acting as their unwitting intermediary? Gallo's hand closed into a fist. I want the location of the Dauntless. Track it down. The fleet marshal's shoulders shifted away from Rennick and back to his display. Rennick stood, bowing his head. Yes, sir. I will make locating the Dauntless the highest priority of our division. See that you do, Commander. You have done well so far, and that uniform is evidence of your reward. Gallo raised his chin. Do not presume that what is given cannot be taken away. Rennick found himself nodding, resisting the urge to apologize, and walked back to the double doors where the honor guard waited outside. His reason for coming here had been an embarrassing miscalculation of Gallo's sensibilities, but the chance to make up for it with the Dauntless was a new way to regain the fleet marshal's favor. It would take a pivot of his plans for the division. Finding the Dauntless had not been on his list of priorities. There had been no reason to care. But Casto himself had given Rennick a clue when he tried to goad him about Sonali. The man who may have the answers about the Dauntless was the same man left alive after a knife-wielding female agent raided the Kestrel operation on Sonali. And he just happened to have been apprehended by some of Rennick's new operatives two days ago. Rennick stalked past Gallo's office staff past the honor guard, past all the eyes that deliberately ignored him as he approached the lobby to the elevator that would allow him to exit Gallo's world and return to the one where he was in control. It was time for Rennick to make use of the Naval Special Investigation Division's underground interrogation facility for the first time. The elevator doors opened, and Rennick stepped onto the floor of the Naval Special Investigation Division headquarters. The first class of his operatives milled about at the half-filled desks that occupied the space. Rennick had made certain that personnel would be called operatives, not agents. He didn't need that lingering influence of 5E ruining his new command. Here, several levels below ground under the Imperium Navy headquarters on Kestris, he was the one in complete control. Rennick strode across the well-lit space, division operatives briefly pausing what they were doing to acknowledge him as he passed. Rennick had made it clear during recruitment that the focus of the division was on results, not on formality. No salutes, no rituals, no pomp. This was a place of action that would soon serve a republic, not an empire. The person Rennick was looking for approached from a set of doors at the far end of the expansive room. Operative Kogan, the man's muscular frame stuffed into the same blue division uniform, had been handpicked by Rennick to serve as his adjunct. Kogan had been a Navy commando squad leader with a long history of successful assaults. If Rennick were to entrust his priorities to a right hand, he'd prefer a warrior over an administrator as his personal assistant. Commander, the prisoner is waiting for you. Level 6, Observation Room 3, Kogan said, arms flexed stiffly at his side. Rennick smiled. This was the kind of respect he deserved. Excellent. Condition? Kogan raised an eyebrow. He's in one piece. Not terribly happy about it. Rennick smirked. Him or you? Kogan shrugged. I told him the orders were to take him alive and that he could make it easy or hard, but that our ship's medical bay could keep him alive long enough for questioning if he wanted to make it difficult. He chose easy. Humane of you. Let's go. Rennick and Kogan proceeded to the elevator in level 6, a level not accessible from any surface elevators. None of the division's facilities were accessible without passing through this floor first. When the fleet marshal had ordered the space converted to serve as Rennick's headquarters, the request had required no approvals, 
No oversight committees, no budget constraints. Gallo had wanted it, and it was made so. The incoming class of operatives and personnel were excited to join the well-funded and prestigious new division, completely unaware of Rennick's special place in the birth of the Republic. Among those in this first group, only Kogan knew of Rennick's shadow objectives. Rennick had chosen him specifically, Kogan, having been among the commandos who had been prepared to storm Reed Casto's Dradari compound had Rennick's visit gone poorly. The man knew how to keep secrets and follow orders without needing a reason. Despite what the warrior lacked in administrative experience, Kogan's time as a black ops commando had proven he would never, ever open his mouth about anything he saw. The two men entered the elevator, leaving a wake of respectful nods from the scattering of operatives, and descended the four levels in only a few seconds. The doors opened and revealed the empty hallway of Level 6, the observation facility. Kogan stepped out first, walking with purpose down the darkened hallway to the third door, the only one with the light on. I'm here, Kogan said, stopping at the door to the control room where a row of chairs were pushed beneath the observer's desk, row after row of display screens showing the empty, stark white room on the other side of the wall and its single, restrained occupant seated and hunched over the interrogation table. Kogan nodded to the screens. It was like he was waiting for us on Sonali. And he's got a stab wound over his left clavicle. Deep. Rennick scoffed. Of course she had used the knife. Imagining the conversation that must have transpired nearly brought a smile to Rennick's face. Samantha's escalation curve was abrupt. The 5E mission files about Sonali had made no mention of this Kestrel, but Reed Casto had. Samantha must have left him alive to intimidate the Kestrels, to tell his story. He'd be telling it now, but not to whom she had intended. Rennick turned to Kogan. I want this room dark. No recording, no observing. You'll stay here and ensure that the floor remains undisturbed until I am finished. Kogan nodded once. Yes, sir. You will not be disturbed. Rennick entered the control room and crossed to the desk where he entered a command into the computer. The interview room just on the other side of the technology-covered wall where his guest was waiting. The door to the hall behind him slid shut, and the display screens each went dark. Reaching into his jacket pocket, he pulled out a handheld data pad, one he had loaded with information on his way down from the terminus. Gallo wanted to know about the Dauntless, and this man might have answers. He might also have answers about something much closer to Rennick's personal interests. Rennick pressed a button on the control room console, and the door to the interview room opened. As he strode inside, Rennick was careful to let his sigh of exhaustion announce his presence. The interview room was a featureless white cube with one featureless white table and two featureless white chairs. In one of the chairs was Rennick's guest, hands and restraints magnetically bound to the table, his crumpled body the image of abject, total defeat. Rennick crossed to the far side of the table and half sat casually on its surface. Eddie, do you know why I am here? Eddie Renner looked up, his expression crumbling as he stared up at Rennick. He seemed to recognize the question. Yes? No. I don't know. Your people already got what they wanted out of me a week ago. Why come back? Rennick nodded at Eddie's shoulder. The blade. I apologize for that. We do not condone the use of torture without proper authorization and a physician's supervision. I assure you, you'll receive no mistreatment from me today. The look on Eddie's face did not reflect any sense of reassurance. Rennick pulled out the chair on his side of the table and sat, making a special point to move slowly and predictably. 
He placed his hands on the table and locked his fingers together, mirroring Eddie's restrained hands that were clamped in place. Rennick began calmly. Eddie, actually, do you prefer Mr. Renner? The confusion on Eddie's face intensified. Are, are you serious? Rennick turned a hand palm up. You are a guest here. Um, Eddie, I guess, Eddie mumbled, eyebrows scrunched in confusion. Eddie, good. Rennick stared silently. It was difficult to resist playing interrogation games. Build rapport, repeatedly use first names, offer hope, and act as an ally. The difference today was that Rennick already knew everything Eddie had done. After all, unbeknownst to Eddie, Rennick had arranged for the whole caper. Eddie, nine days ago, an unidentified assailant broke into the building where you were attempting to decode classified Imperium Navy data you acquired during the assault, hijacking, and subsequent disappearance of the Imperium Navy warship, the Dauntless. Rennick paused. Eddie's mouth opened. He stared at Rennick, as if he was trying to find a question in the statement. Rennick waved off the effort and continued. This information that has been confirmed by several sources, you need not bother denying it. I was merely informing you of the facts before we start. Hey, I wasn't... I mean... Eddie stammered. Rennick activated the data pad he had brought with him and slid it in front of Eddie's hands. The man's face clearly visible in a frame of video footage taken during the original handoff of the information needed to comprise the Dauntless several weeks past. Eddie's face sunk as he recognized himself in the image. It's okay, Eddie. No one is watching us. Cameras, sensors, any recording devices, all off. It's only me, Eddie. Just you and me. Rennick tapped his interlocked fingers on the table, appearing to be in deep contemplation. There is a lot happening you aren't aware of. I've been in contact with your boss. Not Cat, the real boss, Reed Casto. I spoke to him only a few days ago on Jadari, still finding orange sand everywhere. Reed provided me your name and whereabouts, so you could be plucked from the jaws of the Imperium and taken to safety. He was very proud of you. You understand how we had to make it look. A slow dawning of realization crept across Eddie's face. He'd been given a little hope and was clinging to it. Rennick leaned forward, speaking only to Eddie. You're a competent technician. You knew that the access to the Dauntless had been provided from elsewhere. I am the elsewhere. Eddie's head jerked to the side, looking back to the interview room door. Wait, you... you worked with Cat? Rennick smiled at Eddie's reaction to this revelation, ignoring the question. He picked up the data pad and navigated to a new photo and held it up for Eddie to see. Do you recognize this person? Rennick asked. Eddie's eyes widened in terror at the blonde-haired woman posing in front of the textured background that all 5E agents had their public government identification photos taken against. I thought you might. This person gained entry, killed two of your Red Kestrel associates, briefly questioned you, then left with copies of your personal data just as more Red Kestrels you'd alerted arrived. All I need from you is to answer my questions to the best of your ability. Rennick shrugged. That's it. Eddie nodded slowly, then more vigorously. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Good. Can you confirm that my statement about the events nine days ago is accurate? Eddie hesitated, one eye squinting as he thought. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. Rennick nodded, opening his hands to Eddie. Anything else important come to mind? 
No, it was just like you said. We were at one of my, uh... Eddie looked away for a moment. Hacking dens, we call it. We were running over the data we had taken from the Navy systems. Everything had already been copied before the ship was sent off to read. I was doing more of an exploratory analysis, looking for anything else of value that could help us. Us, meaning the Red Kestrels, Rennick said, allowing Eddie to invest in their growing rapport. Yeah, my job was done, you know. I'm a regional guy, working for CAT. Reed's business is sector-wide. And the Dauntless. Do you know where Reed is hiding it? Or why he hasn't been seen flaunting it as agreed? Eddie winced, shaking his head. No one told me. I mean it. The only people on the ship when it jumped out were Reed's inner circle. Trusted people from the Dradari chapter only. Eddie looked back to the interview room door. You gotta know how these types of operations are run. If Reed don't want me knowing, then ain't nothing getting to me. Rennick nodded. Eddie, did you have foreknowledge of the brutal terrorist attack on Starview Station? Eddie reared back, attempting to lift his hands only to jerk against the restraints. Whoa, hey, no, no, no. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't even know it was being penned on the Kestrels until I heard it on the news vids. Look, when I saw that shit go down, I made my peace and was just waiting for you guys to come back just like she said. Eddie gestured to the data pad with an immobilized finger. Good, Eddie. I didn't think you did. Tell me what you remember about the person who broke into your hacking den. Eddie's face scrunched up. He blew out a little puff of breath. I didn't even know she was there. Building was wired top to bottom, supposed to be secure. Not Imperium-grade stuff, but enough I always felt safe. Eddie closed his eyes, his body reacting to the memories. All I remember was lights out, then turning around to see some sort of scuffle. She hit me with a stun charge, and the next thing I knew, I was being smashed into the wall. You didn't fight back? Rennick asked, hiding his inward amusement. Fight back? By the time I could see again, I was on my ass with some... What was she, an Imperium assassin standing over me with that curved knife? Rennick tapped the data pad. And it was this woman I showed you in the photo, yes? Looks like her to me. She was wearing some sort of getup, all black. Augment visor was pushed up on her head. It was dark. I just remember she was mad and had that knife. And some drone, little flying thing she'd talked to. Rennick's eyes narrowed. Julian. It was too easy to forget that Samantha was not alone. Her controller may have been irritating and dreadfully boring, but that would explain the ease of Samantha's infiltration. Rennick nodded in understanding. The drone was remotely operated by someone speaking into her ear. What did they talk about? Eddie shrugged, a wave of shame filling his eyes. Gets sort of fuzzy after she put the halo on me. Rennick's throat tightened. He lunged forward, momentarily forgetting his facade. A neurointerference device? What did you tell her? Eddie reared back in his seat, pulling against the restraints. I don't know what I said to her. She fried my brain, okay? I don't know what I remember or if my imagination is creating memories of things that didn't happen. It's all just... Man, she scrambled me bad. Rennick's stomach dropped out from under him. He forced his breathing to slow. None of these details had been mentioned in any of the 5e mission reports about Sonali or the Kestrels, details that would have been standard, critical additions to any report. The realization chilled his blood. Samantha was only an average skill when it came to technology. Covering her digital tracks was well beyond her capabilities. But not Julian's. Rennick's voice squeezed out through his constricted throat. 
Do you remember anything she said to her counterpart on the other end of the drone? Eddie's head swayed to the side, pulling back with confused apprehension. She said something about Cat. Like she wanted to talk to her or stay on Sonali. Whoever she was talking to changed her mind. Rennick leaned forward. She mentioned Cat Basara? Yeah. Eddie's eyes wandered the room, searching for something. He settled on his hands. I think... I think I mentioned the Navy to her while that thing was on my head. The chill in Rennick's blood froze him in place. Samantha's apartment. The put-off. The lack of any records. Her absence from the High Imperius's address. Had Samantha already known? Rennick willed himself to regain control of his actions. What else happened? Uh, the rest of my crew showed up and scared her off. The whole ordeal was maybe ten minutes. It's all scrambled. I still don't feel right. Rennick's mind was putting pieces together faster than he could make sense of them. He needed to do damage control. This intel could not be allowed to reach Gallo. Eddie leaned forward, face just over his hands. I... what am I doing here? She said she'd find me. Is she one of yours then? Eddie glanced down to the restraints. That's what this is about? Rennick exhaled slowly. No, she is not here. Eddie sighed, visibly relieved. But she's one of you. I mean, you sent her, right? Some sort of task force? You don't need to worry about her. She's gone. All you need to worry about is what you did, Eddie. Rennick pretended to think, stalling while he constructed a plan on how to deal with Eddie. He was no good to the Imperium now that he knew Rennick's involvement with the Kestrels. He could kill him and have Kogan dispose of the body, but something about that didn't feel right. Eddie was just as culpable as Rennick, and he had just witnessed Gallo leverage dozens of people working for him throughout the military's leadership, all in secret, all culpable. The same tactics could be employed here. A plan crystallized in Rennick's mind. Moving Eddie under his employ was his way to the Dauntless. And Samantha. Eddie, these crimes you committed against the Imperium should result in a swift execution, possibly public. And yet... Rennick waved his arms wide across the observation room. You're here. Not charged. Not in a cell. No one knows but me and my associate outside. You still have a way out of this. Rennick snapped his fingers and the restraints released. Eddie jerked his hands back and rubbed his wrists, his face wrinkled with subdued amazement having completely missed Rennick's other hand on the data pad, which was connected to the restraints controls. You are here by my grace and my grace alone. That means you work for me now, Eddie. Not the Imperium, not Cat, and certainly not Reed Casto. What? Eddie started, but was cut off by Rennick's forceful interruption. You've been found by my people now, what, twice in a week? Eddie sputtered. Look, I... Rennick summoned Gallo's essence remembering his threat to Admiral Elliot and everyone around the conference chamber table. Eddie, I'm going to let you go, but if you try to hide, I will find you. I will kill you, and your body will be disposed of. No one will know you're gone. Eventually, when the people you know start asking each other, hey, have you seen Eddie? Where'd Eddie go? They'll finally realize that no one has seen you for weeks. They may look for a few days, but then they'll stop, faster than you'd guess and Eddie Renner will be just another vanished political dissident that no one cares about. Forgotten forever. A meaningless end to a meaningless life.
Rennick exhaled heavily, tapping his fingertips lightly on the table. Or you avoid all that and play along with what I ask. Oh, fuck. Eddie looked at the ceiling and squeezed his eyes shut hard. Can't you people just be through with me? Rennick frowned and layered his voice with concern. Why did you choose this life? You have talent, but you chose to join the Kestrels. Why? Eddie looked back to Rennick. A sign of life sparked in his eyes. I got tired of my people being treated like nothing but resources to harvest, or as disposable soldiers, all for this place. He jerked his chin upwards. Rennick clasped his hands together, settling back into a listening posture. And who are your people? The Fringe. There's a hundred planets in this sector, and yet your eleven unified worlds are all that matter. He chanced to glower. My people fight in a war as your conscripts. We die, and to this day, we're treated as an enemy even after all we give. Nothing but a buffer between the Imperium and the Selicans. Rennick narrowed his eyes. Yes, but you're far too young to have fought in the war, even as a child. You think I didn't have family? Friends? Sonali was one of the first planets to be conscripted. Both parents and my brother were sent to the Gulf, the Promontory Nebula. Rennick nodded, a new respect for Eddie finding its way to the surface. The Promontory Massacre. That's right. Imperium ships fired on the Selicans as well as the fringe conscripts. They didn't care. If it wasn't white and gold, it was expendable. Eddie's voice lowered, a murmur in the acoustically deadened room. I never saw them again. No social welfare out there. I was a beggar in a sector where we can fly between stars, yet I could barely eat. I learned to get good with tech. The corporations wouldn't hire me, but the Kestrels did. Cat supported me. Eddie's eyes hardened. What would you have done? Rennick slid his hand across the table, fingers splayed, shifting his tone to one of encouragement. You're alive, Eddie. That can't be said for many your group has left in its wake. Be valuable to me. Our goals are not that different. You can still help your people out in the fringe and help get justice for the crimes of this empire. Eddie's gaze fell to the open restraints. Okay. He sat upright, squared his shoulders, and placed his unrestrained hands on the table. What do you want me to do? Rennick stood, picking up the data pad and slipping it back into his pocket. You're going to Jadari. I'm going to have my man standing outside get you safe passage and an anonymous transfer of credit for your trouble. You're going to resume your life, and you're going to watch the Kestrels. You're going to notice things, and you're going to tell me about them. At some point... I'll ask you to carry out tasks for me. Simple tasks, nothing dangerous. Rennick walked to the door and stopped, turning to Eddie. And who knows? Perhaps when this is all over, there's a chance you could be rewarded for your service. Eddie's confused gaze went to the floor, then back up to Rennick. When what's over? Rennick smiled grimly and exited the room. The doors to Rennick's personal office slid shut. He'd walked, double time but still walked, across the division floor, nodding at the personnel who nodded at him. But now, inside his office, he sprinted around the desk to the computer, shoving the thickly padded chair out of the way. Sonali. Both the division and OS9 had access to all 5E records. Typing furiously, 
He pulled everything created over the last six months about the fringe planet where Samantha had raided Eddie, scanning everything from the date of the raid to the present. He could hear the sound of his labored breathing through his nostrils, air being forced in and out with each new revelation. Gaps. Holes. Omissions of things he knew had occurred. It was useless. Everything was useless. The sequence of events became clearer. Eddie had tipped Samantha and Julian off without realizing it, and they'd already had their hands on all of this data. Samantha's reluctance to continue their conversation when he had visited her apartment suddenly seemed so obvious and contrived. When he'd steered the conversation to the Kestrels, she'd quickly steered it away. Why had he trusted her? Samantha had asked him to give her a few days to think. He'd allowed it. He'd given her space, avoiding checking in on her location, made sure she did not see his digital footprints on her records, on access logs of her mission, on her use of agency resources. It was meant to be a sign of respect, a sign that he was the right choice for her. She had played him. The urge to hurl his computer across his office swelled through his limbs. With shaking hands, he navigated to her 5E record, not her government profile, but her actual record only accessible to senior leadership within the Imperium Intelligence Organization, like a commander in the Naval Special Investigation Division. Her photo appeared on the screen, not the one he showed Eddie, but her agency operations photo, several years older than the photo on the data pad. Gone were the bright eyes of the cadet who had entered government service after her father's untimely death as an Imperium diplomat to several fringe planets, Jadari included. Rennick remembered the first time he'd met Samantha, lined up on the training grounds of Imperium Academy of Logistics and Operations. The instructor had been barking at the new recruits. And your name? Maury, sir. Samantha, reporting for assignment. Maury, like A and Maury? Yes, my father, sir. What's the daughter of a man like that doing here? We don't pay shit, and most careers here end up in a casket. I'm defending the Imperium, sir. Really? How interesting. All by yourself? If that's what it takes. That's the spirit, Cadet Maury. Let's see how long you can maintain it. You'll be training with Agent Tao here. He's one of my best. See if you can learn something from him. Yes, sir. They'd become friends then, and remain so for many years after. But no more. Rennick's eyes lingered on the photo then shifted to the block of personal information just to the side. No, he breathed. Beneath her name, next to the status label, was the answer he needed. Section 42. Person of interest. Whereabouts, unknown. Rennick cursed and shouted, slamming both fists down onto the computer, bits of glass and plastic spraying out. The screen went dark and he hurled it across the room. It smashed into the wall and burst apart. What had she done? Rennick shouted again and ripped his chair away from the desk, throwing it into the wall where it fell to the floor, rocking unevenly as it settled onto its side. Heavy breathing filled his ears, the fierce inhale-exhale cycle punctuated by the rapid pounding of his pulse. Strands of his normally slicked-back hair had fallen over his eyes. He placed his hands on the desk and looked down to himself in the reflection of the black glass surface. Losing control would serve no purpose. When control was lost, one must do whatever it took to regain it. There was nothing more important than control. He closed his eyes and took a deep, controlled breath. Four seconds in, hold for four seconds, four seconds out. Repeat. Control must be maintained. Control must be maintained. Control. Control. 
He smoothed his hair back into place and straightened his uniform jacket. Himself once again, Rennick strode purposefully to his office doors, which retreated at his approach. He scanned the floor and zeroed in on the closest operative with a computer. You, Rennick barked at the operative, Tess Millinson, standing at her desk, removing personal items from a box. Connect to compound security. Tell them I need a master at arms and a rest team to meet me on ground level immediately. Millinson froze momentarily, small potted plant still in her hand. Commander Tao, your comm can... Operative Millinson, I will not repeat myself. All division personnel with an earshot stopped what they were doing to watch. Millinson set the plant down hastily and got on her computer. Rennick turned and stalked off toward the elevators. Behind him, he could hear her repeating his orders, adding a flustered, I don't know, he's heading up right now. Just make sure they're there. Rennick stepped into the elevator carriage. He needed to calm down. He was under Gallo's employ. The fleet marshal would not tolerate being embarrassed or having any unwanted attention drawn toward anyone in their scheme. Stay calm. Stay in control. He looked at the state-of-the-art calm around his wrist. He hadn't stopped to think that he could have ordered the arrest team himself. He smoothed his already smoothed hair back again, straightened his already straight jacket again, and pulled down his already pulled cuffs again. Control must be maintained. He clasped his hands behind his back and waited, jaw clenched. Rennick felt something along the outer edge of his hand and pulled his hands around in front again. A few small bits of plastic and glass were stuck to his skin, along with a scattering of small, bleeding cuts. His jaw clenched harder. He must retake control. Samantha's voice played in his mind. I'm defending the Imperium, sir. Really, how interesting. All by yourself? If that's what it takes. Hey everyone, Eric here. Thanks for listening to episode 21. Things are starting to look not so smooth for Rennick as he would hope. So, you know, after all these chapters so far of him kind of getting what he wanted and having everything be easy, well, now he's finding out he's not the only one who's up to something. It's interesting writing an antagonist, you know, as a main character where they have their own plot and story and their own arc. Um, you know, where Rennick's not just one-dimensional or two-dimensional, you know, kind of like, we don't, we don't really see Gallo that much, we just hear about him, and we don't really see, you know, uh, Defense Minister Archer, you know, but Rennick gets a lot of page time, and you get to see him grow and evolve, it's just that he might not be growing and evolving in a good direction, and so, um, you know, having what's essentially, you know, the antagonist get so much time is 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 fun to write but it can also be challenging because you know there, there's no question that Rennick is not um not a good person and hopefully by now you've noticed how the other point of view characters see Rennick and how he sees himself and kind of the difference between you know how this <laughs> how this person thinks he really is and how other people see him and you know Rennick he, he might not have the most accurate um, assessment of himself let's just say that I'm right in the middle of moving like I mentioned in the bonus episode so there might be a episode or two that is delayed by a few days but hopefully I get caught back up and you don't ever notice the difference um, episodes up to number 26 are already recorded so maybe I'll be able to work ahead and you'll never know that I actually didn't do any writing and editing for a week other than that thanks for listening check out my website ericflowers.com head to Amazon if you want 
And the story is going to keep on going. We've got some amazing stuff coming up through the conclusion of volume two, which is episode 30. So stick around and I will see you for episode 22.